kid. Kyle, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, yep. Let's play ball. So you have quite a fascinating background. Can you share with us a little bit about your personal journey in baseball and what your coaching journey has been in baseball? Yeah, I played in Pennsylvania, Redlands High School. We were uh, fortunate to, to win a state championship, which is something I think every high school kid aspires to do. Played collegially at Wake Forest. I was drafted and played one year in the California Angels organization. And that was short-lived. I, I Honestly, I got an honest message from a coach that I trusted and, and respected. And he basically told me, he said, we value you as a player. We don't think you're ever going to be a big league catcher. So if you want to get your coaching career started, that wouldn't be the worst decision. And so that's what I did. I got into coaching. I've coached uh, at my alma mater. I went back to Wake. I coached for a year. I've coached Elizabethtown College, which is a Division three school in Pennsylvania. I've coached uh, at my alma mater, Redland High School, for eight years. I ran a, a training facility called Go Wags for nine years. And a lot of that emphasis was on developing my son, my nephew. My son is a a freshman at Georgia. My nephew will be a freshman at Georgia next year. Yeah, baseball has been in my blood for a while, and I've had a lot of opportunities to influence people, a lot of great experiences, and it continues to give gives back to me. So, yeah, I, baseball and I have, have seemed to have a healthy relationship. So you've written a couple of books now, and one of them you describe green light hitting. So can you tell us what Greenlight Hitting is and what the book is about? Yeah, Greenlight Hitting was a book that I got published in 2012. Uh, I was three years into Go Wags, uh, which was our baseball academy, our training center. And I wanted to get into print a philosophy and a belief that I had how you develop hitters. And at the time, I what I saw was I saw a culture – of training hitters that created a cautious, tentative approach in the batter's box. And I thought there was a better way. And so I, I created Greenlight Hitting. It was called Greenlight Hitting from the Backyards to the Big Leagues, a systematic approach to training hitters of all ages. And it was really, it was something everyone in our facility embraced. And it was easy to implement, which I think sometimes gets lost. We've amended some of our principles, certainly as the, the boys have aged and, and we've seen some of the challenges that elite velocity and elite breaking balls have created. But for the most part, I would say 90, 95% of the principles of green light hitting are, are still solid. So, yeah, I, I loved it. A lot of people really appreciated it. It was a model that created a lot of success for us. So that, that was in 2012 when I wrote that. You recently tweeted, when a measurer becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure, which is Goodhart's law. What did you mean by this as you shared it by relating to baseball? With respect to baseball, what, what is that? Yeah. Yes. We live in, a, in an era of data where everyone wants to measure players. They want to evaluate players and they want players to understand where they fit among their peers. So if I have an exit velocity of 97 and, and my peers have an exit velocity of 104, I know that the measurements say that I'm behind. 
the same is true with velocity on the mound. The same is true with foot speed, 60-yard dash. I mean, if you can measure it, there's the saying is you can manage it. The, the problem is that once you start focusing on the measurement, then it, it shifts. And all of a sudden, that measurement becomes an incentive. And anytime it's an incentive and anytime that you reward it, then you're going to have players gaming the system. They're going to try to beat the system and they're going to cheat the system because it's what we're rewarding. So that's what good heart is. It, it, it basically says, be careful on your measurements because when it shifts and it becomes the focal point, now you're going to create incentives that people are going to cheat and gain. So I hope, I hope I explained that well enough. You got to really be careful with metrics like that. While you were coaching, did you try to enforce Goodhart's law onto your players? When I was coaching, did I track it or anything? Yes. I'm not a big stats guy. Like when I was coaching, first of all, we didn't have Rapsodo. We didn't have all of that stuff that, that they have now. And I honestly, I, I hated statistics. Maybe it was born out of my experience with statistics. I, I really wasn't a great offensive player. And every time they posted it, I felt like you know, my value on the team was diminished. And, and all of a sudden, I became obsessed with my batting average instead of contributing to the team on that day. It is a different day and age. I mean, it's 2020, and, and there are that data is an incredible tool, incredible tool. But you've got to really be careful with turning it into incentives rather than measurements. If you're a pitcher and you're using Rapsodo, to help you and, and you're allowing it to guide your training. That is a marvelous way to use the data. But when you look at Rapsodo and all of a sudden you start obsessing over one metric, then potentially the entire system gets, gets compromised. So you have to really be careful in when turning those measurements into markers to help you to help guide your training into goals that become like, like the end game, you know? So you got to really be careful with the measurements. I hope that answers that question. What is your biggest pet peeve around baseball development and coaching today? My biggest pet peeve is probably the lack of communication at all levels. Um, Every coach that gets to influence an athlete has a role with respect to that athlete. So if I'm running a baseball training center, my role is to develop him. I got to really be careful that I uh, give him information that might uh, in some way diminish his relationship with his team's coach. And, and I see that more than I should where, you know, you, you run a facility and you know what he should be doing because you study the latest trends and the player comes in, and, and you get to spend an hour with him on a Tuesday night, and he tells you that this is what my high school coach said. And you can have an opinion. Like, you can disagree with the high school coach. But ultimately, if, if you plant a seed in that player's mind that says, you know, what you're doing is wrong for this player, now you're going to compromise that team culture in the dugout. And there's a way around it. I mean, that, that both coaches have to communicate. The dugout coach has to communicate with the facility trainer, and you can develop a plan for that player. But it, it requires great humility. It requires incredible communication, and very few ever engage in that. And 
I'd like to think that I was up to date on all the latest trends. But when I would work with a player in our facility, I would never, ever, ever think about undermining a coach in the dugout because I was that guy too. And the last thing I wanted was my player showing up saying, no, you don't know what you're talking about. It's really, it's a really tough dynamic, but it requires communication uh, on behalf of the athlete. There have been a lot of changes to baseball space because of COVID. What suggestions do you have for high school athletes who are thinking about playing at the next level? COVID has created a giant bubble in a lot of different areas. It's minor league baseball. has uh, There's a bubble there where draft picks aren't developing as fast as they would like. And Division one schools have 45, 50 players on their roster. And my advice and, and it would be to now more than ever, you have to do due diligence and research these schools and which schools are, are willing to be patient with you, willing to develop you instead of just throwing in, you into a pot of 40, 45, 50 and, and say life isn't always fair. I, I think now more than ever, families need to really do their homework ask really deep personal questions and the, the coaches need to, to answer those questions honestly and, and not be consumed with the short-term wins. They have to do right by these families because it is a very difficult time. Once COVID is done and you can travel anywhere, what ballpark do you want to go to and what team are you watching? Oh my gosh, what ballpark am I going to and what team? Oh... Uh... I'll tell you what, it's, <laughs> I live in central Pennsylvania, but I have an Orioles fan, and I, Jim Yards has a special place in my heart, and I think the quality of baseball is improving there, and I know they don't have the marquee names, but I think that's what I would want. I think I would want to go back to Camden Yard, haven't been there in a while, and I just want to soak up the sun and watch the birds play, so that's how I'd answer that. Where can people find more about you and your resources? So I've been posting most of my stuff on Twitter, Go Wags Kyle. I have an Instagram account, Arcats Coach. Uh, I have a Facebook page, Greenlight Hitting. That's where I try to share most of my stuff, those three mediums. Kyle, thank you so much for playing ball. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they will show the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.